Thank you so much for having me back. And it's a joy to be back. And I believe you put a spell, a good spell, uh, on the journey of Boy Swallows Universe about two years ago. And um, I've never, ever forgotten uh, how kind and generous you were to have me on early on um, when Trent Dalton and the world of uh, literary fiction went, were pretty strange to each other. And uh, I was very touched that you took the time of day and I'm, and it's so cool that you took the time of day again. I feel like I'm part of the Words and Nerds family. You guys are so amazing and lovely and such a family of amazing literary lovers and creators and people who advocate. Oh, thanks so much for your questions engaging with the novel and for everything you're doing. I know the podcast is hugely, hugely loved, so um, you're a gem. I think it's awesome the work that you do you know, we're out there in this pool of, of like how many writers there are in this country and we're all trying to get our book to the surface. Podcasts like this enable us to do that and also to talk about our craft. Danny, you're a gift from heaven. I love that you're such a great supporter and advocate for not only kids' books but adult novels too. I love your interviews across the board. Kudos to you, Danny, for uh, for getting everyone to relax so much that they open up and tell you such interesting things for the benefit of your listeners. So, <laughs> Thanks, right. Jack. Yeah, well That's done. That's so true. Oh, my gosh, I just told you all these things that I've never talked about before. I go, well, no, can you edit that bit out? I could do this. And I was just so comfortable that I was like, ah, 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 ah. It's a special oh. knack. Who wouldn't want to celebrate this fabulous podcast? Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast, Author Takeover Edition. On this podcast, we chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. I'm your host, Karen Sepulveda, author of Letters to My Yesterday and The Women's Circle. I'm very excited to chat today to debut author Hannah Bent about her beautiful novel, When Things Are Alive, They Hum. I just finished reading this incredible book last week, so the characters and story feel so alive to me, and I can't wait to ask Hannah about them and her inspiration behind the book, along with her journey to publication. Welcome, Hannah, to the Words and Nerds podcast. It's so lovely to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to be with you today. Yeah, I just finished reading your beautiful book and I just want to say a big congratulations on this incredible debut. Like it's really hard to believe it is a debut novel. It's just so beautiful. And I thought we could start by telling the listeners a little bit about your book, kind of like a little elevator pitch. Sure. Um, so this is a story about two sisters, Harper and Marlowe. Harper is um, born with a congenital heart disorder and she lives with Down syndrome. And um, she's told that she needs a heart transplant but is denied one by the medical establishment. When she finds that out, her sister Marlowe is, is currently living in the UK studying entomology and, and she comes back home to Hong Kong to be by her sister's side. And the two of them go on this journey in search of a heart and ultimately Marlowe must answer the question of how far she'll go to save her sister. That sums it up so nicely. I, <laughs> what I wanted to ask you first, I just have to ask you about the title before we get into characters. I have to ask about this amazing title because as soon as I read it, I just got covered in goosebumps. It's one of those titles that just draw you straight in. And I wondered, did the title come to you first and then the story or was it the other way around? Well, thank you for saying that. Um, the title actually came at the very, very, very end. Even when I pitched, um, when I sent the book to Gabby Nea, my agent, I didn't have a title. <laughs> and, um this title has come really from one of the early sections of um, 
Harper's from Harper's point of view. And I wasn't sure if it would work, but um, at the very end, I just thought, you know what, for me, this sums up what the book is about. And, um, and I decided to go with it, but it, it was a gamble. And, and I'm, um, I'm really thrilled to hear that you, you love the title. Yeah, I did. And so many people that have seen it, that I've shared it with, they say the same thing, like, oh my God, that title. So yeah, it was a good gamble. But I'll come back to, I really want to talk to you about that idea of the hum as well. I've got a lot of questions about that. We'll come back to it later. But first, I just wanted to talk about Harper to begin with, if that's okay with you, because she was a character, I truly, I'm not exaggerating when I say, I think she's one of the favourite characters I've ever read from their perspective because it was just such a fresh um, and unique perspective to read from. She has this beautiful innocence, yet this effortless kind of wisdom, just these really um, deep things that she's thinking and observing, but it just comes through in this I wouldn't say childlike, but just this beautiful, natural kind of way. And um, I know that Harper, well, I know the book is a love, you've described as a love letter to your beautiful sister, Camilla. And I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about Camilla and how she inspired Harper and the whole story. Thank you for saying that about Harper. I, I have to say, I, I really enjoyed spending time with her and I, I kind of miss her now that um, so far. Um, my sister, Camilla, has... Uh, she lives with Down syndrome and um, we were really close there's a very small age gap between us and growing up um, I'd often write scripts for her to act in and she would act in them and we would we would do lots of creative things together Uh, Camilla um, was the life and soul of of really any party she had a great sense of humor she was vivacious Um, she's a great great joy to be around and um, when she was 16 years old she uh, contracted encephalitis so that's um, a brain infection and she got incredibly sick lost her ability to walk and talk um, and overnight my family and myself found that we had lost the Camilla that we knew and uh, this this book took me 10 years to write um, and I think over that process I realized I was grieving the sister that I I knew and so really that's why I I said it was a love letter because although there's a lot of grief in the book and there was a lot of grief in the process um, for me writing this book, there was a tremendous amount of love. And I I feel that relationship, grief and love kind of um, goes hand in hand and um, it's a very interesting connection between the two. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I think that um, you do play with those themes beautifully within the book because there's such a strong sense of love between the sisters and this incredible connection between them that I resonated with I have two sisters and I could just feel it straight away it was so authentic um Mm -hmm. and I love actually I wanted to ask you about one particular thing between Harper and Marlo is their ability to feel each other um so Marlo when she's next to Harper can feel what she's feeling and get that sensation. And that just jumped out at me because my older sister and I had this weird physical thing as well when we were young. And I remember once we were picked up from school and we were both crying hysterically but my mum couldn't figure out which one of us was sick first, which one started crying first because we were just so, both so upset. And we had our appendix taken out weeks apart, all these kinds of oh. things. And I was just like, oh, this is – and I'd never heard of it before or thought to research that and that's the first time I've read something else about it and I was like oh wow you know this happens to other sisters and I wondered is that something you and Camilla in real life had shared as well absolutely and um 
thanks for sharing your story because it's really nice for me to hear that um, there are other sisters out there who've kind of got this um, strange chemistry, which is is really beautiful. Yeah, I would I would find um, at times that I and I do mention this in the novel that I almost didn't know where Camilla began and I ended or where I ended and Camilla began at times. And there was a really strong um, empathetic bond between us. She would um, pick up a lot on what I was feeling very quickly and very viscerally and, and likewise. Um, and it's it's something um, strange and wonderful that I did explore while writing because I, I, I don't really understand it. And um, I think it's it, it continues to amaze me. Um, and particularly when you've got a sister who um, is unwell or um, needs care, that, I, that in those times I felt that that um, bond was heightened. Um, so it was definitely something that I uh, initially subliminally was trying to explore. And then when I became more and more conscious of it, um, I thought, oh, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah, it was. And I can imagine for you and Marlo in the book, um, that would come with quite a heaviness to it as well, I'm sure, because you're kind of sharing that burden of illness with your sisters. So, yeah, so I guess that along with the grief within the book, because there's so much to explore with the grief because there's the unfairness that mm. Harper's not entitled to a heart or lung transplant because of her disability. Um, and there's also just, I think as well, just the unfairness of her illness to begin with like Harper just loves life so much and just wants to be alive and I think unlike a lot of other people just really appreciates all those small things in life and it feels so unfair that life could be taken away from someone like that so to me the grief felt I don't know I guess I'm trying to ask how did you cope with writing such a heavy kind of um theme with theme throughout it with that grief yeah, that's a um, really interesting question. I um, initially, I it, I didn't know I was writing. It sounds silly, but I, I didn't consciously um, know that I was writing about this. I was I, I started the book while I was living in London, so it's well over ten years ago. And um, I remember reading several articles about um, adults and children who had a disability who were being denied heart transplants. And I thought that raised uh, a really interesting ethical question. And, um, you know, growing up in um, Hong Kong, my, my sister was, as a child, was um, often, well, she was never denied treatment, but it was suggested to my parents that um, she not have treatment when she was young and very sick. So uh, this was already sitting in my mind and uh, much like, my sister, um, well, Harper and my sister are very similar in that they both have this great zest for life. And so you're right, it's it's very bittersweet that, um, you know, when, when you witness somebody who just is in love with life and such a joy to be around and and yet on one hand they're, they're, they're um, kind of living on this very fragile um, precipice between life and death and not, um, not necessarily getting the opportunities that they should. So that was particularly hard to write, but I think my naivety going into this and um, not knowing that I was not planning to specifically write about this kind of helped me get through it, I think. Yes, I can imagine it would because you didn't know you were going there until you were already there, yeah. I imagine. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned that um, it took about 10 years to write this book mm -hmm. and I'd love to know 
how it all started like what did it begin as did it begin as were you setting out to write a novel or did it start as a short story how did it begin I didn't I didn't know what I was doing <laughs> I, I, was, I was at art school and then <clears throat> I was at film school and worked in the film industry so a lot of my creativity was going to more visual um aspects and I would carry this notebook around with me and whenever I had a moment to myself whether it be on public transport or um just you know sitting sitting at home I, I would find myself writing and I would write um scenes from all over the novel and not know what their relationship was or how they connected so um it wasn't until much later that I started to piece things together and then started doing a lot more rigorous research um, I did a lot of medical research and I um, did a lot of research shadowing an entomologist. Um, and, and, you know, so a lot of years were actually spent on research. Um, and then much later in the novel, I, I kind of used the three act structure as a framework um, and kind of laid scenes out on the floor and then tried to piece them together. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just rewrote draft after draft. It, it had so many different drafts. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I'd say halfway through, I realized I was writing a novel. Having said that, I also did um, start writing the screenplay at one point as well. It, it has taken a lot of different forms. Yeah. And I think now I understand why it's such an accomplished debut because there's been so much time spent on it in that evolution of it as well I can imagine um so how did it come about being published now at this point in time um you published with Ultimo Press who are a new and very impressive publisher from their list um how did that come about I uh went to the Faber Academy um and Alan Young went in 2013 I think it was and as um at the end of the course, we did a reading of our work and I um, read and Gabby Nea was in um, the audience and, and she contacted me and asked if she could read the manuscript, but I felt it wasn't ready then. So I then waited, gosh, eight years or whatever it was. And um, I was pregnant last year and, you know, I, I think just as I was giving birth, I said to myself, I really need to just let this one go. I think it's done now. Oh, wow. I, yeah, I, I think um, having that, incentive of kind of um you know about to have a child and give birth and start something new I really had to finish this novel and I sent it to Gabby and um you know things just kind of snowballed from there and I, I was really lucky with Ultimate Press um I've had such um a wonderful experience with them and I think they um have a great list of really exciting and um talented authors and um uh, yeah it's been it's I've just been so lucky yeah amazing I love that it was as you gave birth to your daughter that you decided to let this book go as well like that is really incredible two things to birth into the world at the same time you'll be able to track your book you'll always remember when you released your book <laughs> I don't think I remember half of it because of deprivation yeah. <laughs> but I have to say what's coming through to me so much as I speak to you is this um really incredible patience that you have about you about the story because I know with my own writing I get like once the idea comes that's it I want it out I want to you know share it I've got this weird urgency or impatience about me and the fact that you you know you had an agent ask and you're like no it's not ready you just knew that it needed that that time I think that's really really amazing 
that's very nice of you to say. At one point, I wasn't sure if I was mad or patient. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I did. I also wanted to learn the craft better as well. I, I, um, I went to UTS and did a master's there. And, um, you know, I, I, I really wanted to um, respect the craft and um, felt I needed to learn more as well. Yeah. So. Okay, so... I would love to talk about the idea of the hum that you speak about in the book. And there's a little, I hope you don't mind if I just read this little section, because this was one of the parts that just made me get goosebumps. So this is from Harper's perspective. And it says, when mum's body was given back to the soil and the earth, her humming went everywhere in the wind, the trees, the sun, the stars. And I just thought that was so beautiful. And it just reminded me of a concept that I believe in, um, which is oneness. And I think that that goes hand in hand with the idea of the hum, that we're all connected universally. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about where that idea of the hum came from for you? I um, Thank you for reading that. It's always wonderful for me to hear this feedback because when you sit alone at a desk writing for that long, you just don't know sometimes yeah. how it will affect people. Um, and it's it's so affirming to hear that. I... I don't, to be honest with you, I write in such an intuitive way. I, I didn't quite realize what I was writing until I had written it. And um, Catherine Heyman was a mentor of mine a while back. And she said to me, um, every book that you write has something to teach you. And I really felt this book um, spoke a lot to me about the hum, which for me, I think is, as you mentioned, the interconnectedness of all things, what lies beyond grief, even love, um, that kind of otherworldly aspect that's sometimes very hard to pin down. Um, and, and sometimes language doesn't feel ever like it's enough to express it. And I think it affects people in different ways. For me, it's the interconnectedness of all things, but for someone else, it might be something totally different. Um, and I wanted to try and leave space in the novel for that experience for, for everyone to want to bring their own um, interpretation of what the hum might be to the story. Yeah. I, th I think you did that perfectly because like I said, for me, that jumped out at me straight away and it was just exactly what you said. You don't know how to describe it in words. It's just that feeling. And those words you wrote in there evokes that feeling in me. So yeah. And there's another part at the end, but I don't want to talk about it because I think it will give too much away, but when people read it, there's a beautiful scene at the end that I just think sums it all up so beautifully. Um, so I just want to go back to a few more things within the book and ask you about um, the inspiration behind them or how you use your own experience. So we haven't spoken much about Marlowe yet. And um, I guess that's where, I don't know, the darker kind of emotions come into the story because there's that, that point where Marlowe just she wasn't who I thought she would like she didn't react the way I thought she was going to react she seemed so um, put together and you know structured in her thinking and then she just really kind of falls apart I guess without giving too much away and so what did you draw on to write her experience? Marlo um, and I are so different yeah. so she was one of the harder characters for me to write particularly because she has a very deep emotional um world inside her but she de tries desperately to contain it and to control it and I see that as having a lot to do with the fact that her mum died um, in early childhood and she has a lot of unresolved grief 
um, where she came from, I have no idea. <laughs> but, um, you know, she was, she was a really interesting character to spend time with because I loved her um, scientific mind and, and I loved her study of, of butterflies and her um, <clears throat> love of nature. Harper has that same love of nature, but I felt Harper was able to access it much more immediately with her body and her heart, whereas Harper needed to um, kind of access it through her mind. And um, she, she's, she, I saw as the yin to Harper's yang, or the yang to Harper's yin, to be more precise. Um, and I felt the two sisters complemented each other um, in an important way on the journey that allowed for both of them to go through a certain um, change by the end of the novel. Definitely. And I love how you explored so many themes within the book through the butterfly. Like there's one scene, I hope it's not giving away too much. I don't think it is when there's one scene in the garden with their father and there's the butterfly and they both react so differently to this beautiful, they both have the same love for the butterfly but just see it so differently, Marlo, so scientifically and Harper just as this beautiful magical being. I thought that, yeah, that just showed exactly what you said, they're yin and yang to each other so perfectly. That was actually the very first scene that I wrote of the novel. Oh, really? Um, and it, it um, was really great for me in providing insight into the two sisters and how different they were and, and um I don't mind saying this to the audience, but Marlo, as a child, tries to capture a butterfly because she, she thinks it's very beautiful, um, whereas her sister is much more happy with letting it roam free mm. and um, the consequences of that. And uh, I just thought, um, yeah, it, it was an eye-opener for me as also as to how differently both of them view um, the world and, and their emotions mm. about things and Marlo's um, quite desperate need to, to hold on tightly to things and Harper's ability to let go. Yes, yeah, it was a beautiful scene. And I also, I loved how, Cam- um, I nearly called her Camilla, I'm sorry. <laughs> I loved how Harper had that ability to feel what other people were feeling when she was near them. I wrote another quote from there. I'm sorry if I read it because it was one of those other ones that just jumped out at me and it said, when I'm with people who are sad, I can feel it heavy inside my inside my bones. And, yeah, I just wonder, is that something that you've experienced, that kind of um, em- empathy, I guess, that take, takes a physical form when you're around different people? It's definitely something that I experienced and it's quite personal, but um, growing up, you know, I... I I remember people or teachers saying to me, you're too sensitive and, and, and feeling like it was a very shameful thing. And so I think I, I really tried to kind of cover that up. And um, I think that um, empathy, however beautiful it is, um, can be quite exhausting at times. And I found I would need to go home and just be alone to, to process how I was feeling. And I, and I think, Perhaps that's why uh, I was suited to novel writing um, or why I enjoyed it at least because I can do that when I'm alone and um, and I and it's it's almost um, I mean it's 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 a wonderful way for me to use my creativity and allow the sensitivity to to 
be there. I think it's also something that I witnessed in my sister a lot as well. She she has this empathy on a whole other level. I mean, um, she can pick up on stuff just like that. And it's it's striking and fascinating to watch. I, I've written about this, but, you know, we, we would have family members and friends come over who were going through something and hadn't told anybody. And my sister would often feel it and um, be able to she'd just sit with them um, on the couch and kind of hold their hand and stroke them. And, and um, you know, they later comment about how, how touched they were and, um, and how it was kind of what they needed at that point. So witnessing that and having, um, I don't have what she has, but um, having some level of that, I think was really fundamental as well. And um, in my ability to um, access more creative things in life, I guess. Yeah. Not that I'm kind of um, <laughs> amazing person at doing that, but it's it's um, it's something I learned to embrace. Yeah, I get it. And I've, I've never really heard it put that way. But I think that most writers will relate to that really well, because most of us when we write, we're feeling what our characters feel. And it is that um, kind of an antidote in a way to doing it in real life, you can kind of put your boundaries up in real life. And then that's your way of, you know, yeah. channeling those really deep feelings. Yeah, I've never thought of it like that. All right. Well, I think I'm going to leave it. Um, with that about when things are alive they hum and just really recommend everyone to go have a look at this book and have a read it's so beautiful but before we go um I would just love to ask you about what's coming up next for you because I saw that you're writing a non-fiction book um on your experience with endometriosis which that's something I suffer from and I know a lot of women suffer from so I'm just so curious about that I think it's such a I don't know, there's not a lot out there. I think there's more now. More people are talking about it now, but um, not something I've seen too many books about, that's for sure. So I'd love to know about your journey with that. First of all, I'm so sorry to hear that you live with this. Um, it is such a horrible, debilitating disease that is not, um, I mean, I still think in the medical setting, there's not enough known about it. And there's a lot of... Um, gaslighting if you will um that i've experienced and um you know it's it takes roughly i think the average is 10 years to get diagnosed still so it um it's really something i'm very concerned and and passionate about and i feel deeply for anybody who has to live with this um so i i actually did finish writing a non-fiction book about stage four endometriosis i have um kind of parked that and I'm I'm working on a, a, a new novel so I'm not sure kind of what um where this will both go but my um my new novel is about mothers and daughters and there is um an element of um the medical aspect and endometriosis in that as well oh, wow. so, um it's yeah it's been such a, a hard thing to I, I have stage four endometriosis and it's been a huge factor in my um adult life and um yeah. I I really I'm not surprised that it's wanting to come out somehow yeah I can imagine it'd be quite empowering to write about it I guess when it is such a silent kind of thing that like you said not many people talk about or even really recognize so yeah I can imagine that'd be quite a healing journey to write about it Absolutely. It's spot on. 
Well, um, I'm looking forward to both projects. I can't wait to read another novel from you. So um, to finish up on the Words and Nerds podcast, usually the last question is a really simple one and it's different for every um, author, but why do you write if you had to sum it up? Ooh, that's a really good question. I, I can't not write. I'm not sure, to be honest, why I do it. I just can't not do it. And I've, at times I've tried not doing it because it's, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, a lot of my friends have kind of been like, oh, you write. Well, you know, I wish I could kind of have a hobby like that and not realize that <laughs> it's, it's a lot more than that for me. Um, and I think it's, it's just, it's for me it's something inexplicable and just um part of the very core of my being and it's also a really wonderful way to be be able to share with other people however um big or small to to there's so many talented writers out there and um just to be able to get published is is an amazing thing and um just to to be able to hope that maybe you know my sister taught me so much and through this novel I, that I can possibly share some of that with other people is is wonderful and a great gift and makes life um, feel very full and uh, fulfilling. So um, that's kind of a roundabout way of answering your question. Oh, it's an amazing answer. I completely understand it. That was perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much, Hannah, for being a guest today. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. We'd love to engage with you on social media. You can find the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Danny V Books, Words and Nerds podcast. You can also subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Stay safe and read more books.